if you looked at everything that goes into the process of making the coffee to get it to where you know to your doorstep and for you to get it into the cup it probably should be anywhere from five to seven dollars to tell people that though it's a hard sell. There would be very few people in Australia who don't intersect with cafes on a very regular basis. They are so much a part of who we are. What is it like to run a cafe, to stay on the cusp or perhaps even ahead of the curve when it comes to what people are looking for in those daily interactions? Today's guest is Kieran Spiteri. He is part of Yoke Group, which has a number of cafes in Melbourne, uh, all of which I have enjoyed. Kieran, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on. You've been in the industry for quite a while. Um, you've got a lot of experience and I guess a lot of energy for uh, what you're in, in the thick of now. Tell us about Yoke and um, yeah, what's the group? Why is it a group and the cafes that you guys have got? Yeah, thanks. Great question. Um, we we have four cafes in uh, in Melbourne, mainly in the, the north and northwestern suburbs. So Terra Twilight in Collingwood, Hi-Fi also in Collingwood. Uh, we have Tinker in Northcote and uh, Convoy in Mooney Ponds. Um, but we there's three business partners involved in those and... Uh, as we started to sort of grow either individually or two of us and then three of us, we got to a point where we realized we sort of needed a, to put a, a group together. So it was a bit clearer for everyone to have an understanding of, you know, what we were doing and the direction we were going and, and who actually ran and, and owned uh, those four cafes. Um, it's also, I think, a great time for us to create Yoke because we are – we are wanting to expand and grow um, and a, a group or a hospitality group, as you may call it, really made sense for us at that time. It also gives us a real identity in the uh, hospitality scene in, in Melbourne. I mean, what are the advantages of having a group? Like, is it is it very hard to be standalone these days? I think, oh, to be honest, in, in my experience, it's definitely easier to be standalone, you know. Um, I ran Terra Twilight for the best part of sort of four or five years um, and some of those years on my own. And it's definitely easier as a, well, I found personally as an owner operator to be able to do, you know, everything yourself. You're not sort of relying on a group of line managers like we have at the moment. Um, you're only concentrating on one shop so you can really put your energy into it. But um, on the plus side, I think it's a lot more exciting for, for us as owners now and me on a personal level to really be able to um, expand and concentrate on growing, you know, future leaders within our business um, and also the ability to, to work on multiple venues and run multiple venues and to be able to step back and view those multiple venues from the outside because the benefits of having a group is that obviously there is more staff there is more capabilities to, um, you know, have processes and systems in place that allow you to, you know, step back and, and work uh, instead of working in the business, work on those businesses 
uh, for future growth. Yeah, I really, that's such a, to me, that's an unexpected answer. I thought you were going to say, oh, it's so lonely running your own business by yourself. Uh, you've got all these economies of scale when you're part of a group. Um, it's, yeah, so, you know, I thought you were going to talk about buying power and HR, which I suppose you sort of did talk on. But, um, it, I mean, yeah, but then I also hear you saying it's about, you know, your personal journey and I guess, you know, the maturity that you've got um, at this stage in your career and, and perhaps what's interesting you as a person. But, um, yeah, you know, there is there is always those benefits, you know, having HR and having, you know, the ability at the moment we're just reviewing like all our, um, our back-end systems, you know, and that's really exciting and you can get um, instant reporting and um, from the, the hardware that you use in the shops and then things for costing. It, you know, when you're doing that on a multi-venue uh, or site level, you know, it, it is exciting and it's great. It gives you the capabilities and, and the people that work around you to, to make their jobs easier. Um, but it also it also brings its challenges, you know, whereas as when, you, when I was just working in the shop myself, I could make decisions and then action those decisions, you know, within 24 hours. Whereas now sometimes it's a discussion amongst a group of six. We have to be very thought out and planned and tactical in the way that we do things because we've gone from 20 employees to 100 employees or 120 or, or more come summer. So it definitely has its um, its benefits, but, you know, there's also some things that probably aren't <laughs> as enjoyable. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, if I think about Terra Twilight, it did very much feel like a personal vision. Um, I think the way that you structured the menu where it was these bowls and you could – uh, add your own ingredients, sort of build them yourself. That was that was, I think, quite innovative at the time. Um, the kind of kooky mushroom powder additions to coffee and stuff like that <clears throat> was um, also, I guess, you know, at the forefront of that way, that new way of thinking about health. I guess where it's sort of um, medicinal beverages. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying about yeah, it must have been must be fun to just be you know have those brainwaves and action them and see see what have that conversation with the market with your customers rather than with your business partners. Um, yeah, it's it's interest it's an interesting one. Yeah, one you're almost doing in like in real time. You know, you're like you can literally overnight or in 24 hours at, when I was working in the store, put something out, and then uh, because I'd be working. On the floor, it's a face-to-face contact, so I could really gauge the gauge the the response and the feedback within you know that say ten day period of like how did that thing go and did it work. Same with with the messaging and towards you know the way that we want the shop to run or you want a shop to feel or you know the old saying of no one's going to treat your shop like you do as the owner. Um, is true, but I think the thing that probably excites me the most at the moment is being able to to communicate that now to a group of managers and then watch that um, come to fruition uh, on the floor, you know, or, or in the stores, and that's uh, that's just a that's a new challenge in itself and one that you know is very exciting, but also one that we're also giving those people that we employ the power to do what we have done previously in, in, in working in the shops on their own, but not by ourselves, by making the shop their own, you know. They're ne- as I said, they're never going to cr- um, 
treat it like you did, but they're also going to put their own spin on it. Yeah, it makes me think of of Convoy, which I think has been open a year now in Mooney Ponds and was really almost like a, a neighbourhood making cafe. All of a sudden, Mooney Ponds has this destination, queues. It was quite extraordinary. Um, but I think for local young people in the area, you, you know, you really created an option for employment. I mean, can you talk about that? You know, how is it to, I guess, foster those connections in the community to train people who are, who I reckon must have been so excited about this place in their neighbourhood? Yeah, look, you know, Employment, or at that time, it was a real struggle because we'd just come out of, um, or we were coming out of COVID. And I think you'd remember there was a time where it felt like there was no chefs or wait staff or baristas <laughs> um, in or around Melbourne. You know, employment, it was so hard to find anyone. Um, but what we did, and, and fortunately, once again, back to your original question, that when you have a group and you have other multi sites, um, we were able to take some key people out of there and get them to help run the um, – to start to run Convoy. But um, it did take us time to really find uh, people to come in and, and help get the store going into where it is today. Fortunately, it's one of our our best stores as in we have the most uh, you know reliable team and no one, uh, no one has really left us. And if they have, they've gone off to uni or whatever it is. But it was, um, it was great, yeah, to be able to foster a group of, of individuals and chefs um, and create a culture in that cafe that, you know, other shops took us a long time, but at Convoy, it sort of really hit the mark and, and, and took off straight away. But it is very challenging to find the right people and be able to get them into the right spaces at the moment. I mean, how do you sell it to someone who's, you know, perhaps come along, you know, need a bit of cash? Um, how do you, well, I mean, are there some that you look at and you go, all right, this person will be great to do the hours and do the job, but this person, there's something I'm seeing in them. Like, how do you look at people? So we, it's, once again, it's another thing that we're really focusing on at the moment because there is so many hospitality venues in Melbourne. And one question that I've been asking the team a lot is like, what are we offering as a, as a group and, and how are we going to treat our employees when they come in? differently to to most other venues in Melbourne. And I think at the moment you find there is a lot of, you sort of get a lot of people. There is the sort of hospitality life, as I'll call them, or people <laughs> like myself who have been dedicated to the industry for a long time. There is those, but they're very sporadic. Then there's your uni student who just wants to do their, you know, 20 hours a week or their two days and they'd like those set days. So whereas before we used to have a mentality of, which is probably a bit of an old old school mentality of like, you must work, we need you full time and you're almost, you know, married to the venue. Whereas now we sort of have an approach where it's like, okay, if you're just a Tuesday or Saturday person, that's fine. We have the hours for you um, and, you know, and come aboard. So it's, you know, more of a sort of mutual agreement. Then again, if you're wanting full time and you're wanting set hours, we also have those options for you. So I think we're a lot more open to really working with uh, the employees about what it is that they they want and need out of the um, out of our business you know because it is it, it transactional at times 
So it's trying to create that environment that really works for each individual. What about culture in the business, Kieran? Like once they're they're in there, whether it's for two days or for five, um, what do you do to make work a, a nice place to be? Uh, I think it's it, it's the big thing we've done about culture is really getting people invested in the business. So and letting them, you know, I, I like to say that no idea is a bad idea, and, and everyone has is able to contrib- contribute to to what we're doing. Um, Keeping it as as yes, you have managers and you know and all these sort of structures, but keeping it even as as possible. Um, and also, with our other managers, we get them involved so much in the day to day, and almost make it feel like they are running that business as their own. Um, we've found that that's um, that really helps create a culture where everyone is invested in the shop and they really feel like it's their own. They also feel like they're part of a team Um, and that's through communication and, um, you know, that once again, that no no idea is a bad idea. Um, Yeah, which seems to sort of really work well for us currently. Mm, Great. Um, You would have seen a lot of changes in cafe culture over the years. Tell us... Tell us what some of those big changes have been and, you know, where you think we're at at the moment. Yeah, I think it used to be like sort of in the cafe industry, you know, it went through that massive sort of influencer phase, I I would say, you know, where everything was really pretty and (laughs) extravagant and flowers and, you know, everything on food. Whereas now I sort of feel that it's we're sort of trending more towards more of a good quality classic sort of dishes or cafe-wise. You know, I think there's still that market for bespoke venues out there where you'd go and, you know, you're only going to eat it or eat at that location for one one certain thing, whether it be bread or croissants or um, someone that's doing something, you know, artisan that way. Um, but trend-wise, I think now people just really want good quality, I think, as well, due to the, the crunch in um, sort of cost of living as well. I think that when people are going out, they're, very, they're a bit more sort of wise to what they're eating, but they want to go somewhere that's offering good quality and consistent products. It's not too sort of out there and too crazy. Um, so I think more sort of your safer options is what's on trend at the moment so tell us about some of the um the stats on or the the breakdown of what people are ordering at at your cafes like are most people going for eggs and sides or are they ordering more i guess um interesting dishes that like the economy archi at convoy or um yeah, like where where does it actually um, where does it where do the stats lay down? Yeah, probably not as you're right, not as venture as adventurous as people used to be. Some of the things that we put on, and I think, oh, that's going to fly, sort of don't. You know, I, Terra Twilight, we have there's two dishes: there's an eggs curacao and a spicy green eggs. They would be our top two sellers, and 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 every day. You know, we, it blows me away, the volume that we sell. Same sort of thing at Convoy that, you know, it's they people really go for those more sort of safe options. Um, 
Now, cinnamon scroll pancakes still get a bit of a roll, but yeah, it's people. I think they want to venture out, but it's definitely steering more towards those those sort of safer dishes, um, which really surprises me sometimes because you can put you can put these sort of banging specials on that really don't work. But um, yeah, even if the even at the sandwich bar, actually, your really classic sandwiches are the ones that people um, really lean into. You know, always a either a fried chicken or our Reuben is something that people sort of can't go past. I think it's different, sorry, as well. Because we're looking at it every day and it's probably in our eyes, oh, that's, you know, boring because we see it every day. But if you're coming to visit and you've never been, people sort of pick out those classics. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, do you? What about with coffee? Like um, uh, the, the pour-overs, the filters, the batch brews, are they getting traction or is it still a bit of a niche, geeky area? I would say it's area, like in Collingwood, we sell loads of batch brew. Like it, it flies out. At Convoy, we, we thought we'd do the same, but it's it's hot lattes all day. <laughs> the latte, we sell so many of them, you know, and, and the milk has to be probably hotter than we, you'd like to make it. Um, but then again, in Northcote, it's the same thing. It's like a flat white. So it's just, you know, you're sort of classic. I think, and then at Hi-Fi, we do, for instance, a cherry cold brew now. That, that works really, really well. But I think we get away with that because that's in Collingwood. It's so interesting. Like they're really stones throw from each other, these different places. But um, it's interesting how different the culture can be. I, it throws me, yeah. Like Mooney Ponds, I think it took me a while. I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around like what it is that the, the market and, and the people out there really, really want and are a fan of. Whereas in Collingwood, I, you know, you can put a lot of different things up and people are really, really keen to either try it or give it a whirl or, you know, you could potentially get away with things that you couldn't get away with in the suburbs. Um, and as you said, it's, it's literally 15, 20 minutes down the road, yet people's uh, appetite for things are, are totally different. So, I mean, how do you think about the job of a cafe? Is it to just give people what they already want or is it... Is it part of the project to open their minds to, to new possibilities? Uh, definitely to open their mind to, to new things. I think it, cafes are a very challenging market. There is so many of them. And I always, always want to think about what is it that we're doing differently in our cafes that's going to make you want to come back and make us your local. So I think, yes, there is definitely that experimental uh, part to a cafe where you know you can throw up some some different aspects and dishes but it also has to do a lot with the environment the staff the culture you know culture the music that we play the plants so it's more of a a whole a sort of whole package look at it other than just okay we do fantastic food but the rest of what we do is is not on not on track how do you feel when you walk into your venues, Kieran? Because, like, I mean, I, let's talk about Terra Twilight. When I walk in there, I just love the way it feels. And, you know, speaking of music, you know, just that's a big focus. The light coming through the blinds is so beautiful. Like, <laughs> do you just see problems to be solved or do you take pleasure in your venues? Yeah, that, that's a great question because as now, you know, being the owner of four cafes and having the ability to actually spend time in there and absorb and, and watch what's going on. 
part of me for a long time would, as you said, pick problems. But now I can actually really sit back on my laptop and just enjoy the experience of what's going on around me. Yes, I notice a lot of other things that probably others wouldn't. But for, for instance, in Terra Twilight, that's been my baby since day one. So I just love it. And I, <laughs> I always sort of feel like I'm drawn back to it to sit there. Um, but the same at, at Convoy, you walk in there and the design and just the feel of that place is, is something really special to me. Obviously, I'm biased because I own the space. But yeah, it's, it's a really nice feeling and, and one that you know, is always on my mind is like, well, how do, I, you know, how do we convey that feeling to our customers day in and day out? What is the magic or what is the thing that we're doing that makes people feel like, like I feel when I sit there and, and, and everything's working and flowing? That's, yeah, well, I mean, how do you transmit the magic? Is, <laughs> how do you do that? Where's the, where's the bottle of that stuff? That's the million-dollar question. Um, you know, I think it's and, – and this is where having a group is and now having a, a group of key leaders in each shop and, and a group of operations managers, it is about cultivating uh, a shared vision that everyone is buying into that helps – us uh, have the ability to create sort of magic every day, and your your maybe your adaptation of that or how that feels for you is is different to how it feels to me. But um, I think it also makes it exciting, and that's why you want to have people work for you because if you're working at our cafes, we're not just about you know going through the motions. We are really investing in what we're doing. We care deeply about the customer and giving the staff the ability to do that, I think is, you know, exciting. It's not just something that they come in and sort of just follow, you know, one, one step to 10. They can really put their own spin on it and, and, and get involved in what we're doing. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it's challenging, but um, it's, it's exciting. Well, I reckon cafes can absolutely change the course of someone's day uh, to have those those great interactions, those great experiences that set you up like food and coffee-wise but also vibe-wise. Um, I really don't think you can underestimate the impact that uh, a really good cafe can have. Yeah, I had this question with the staff late um, recently. I was like, you know, that first coffee that you have in the morning, like what does that mean to you? What does that mean to that person coming in? Like that starts their day, you know, and if that if that's their first interaction of the day and you're that first contact for them you got to think about yes you're just making them a cup of coffee but but what is it that you're putting in there that's setting their day up you know um same with a meal someone could have had a, a bad meeting at lunch and they come in on their own and they just want to sit down and enjoy the space and you know at terra twilight make their own bowl and you know, you, you could change the course of their day through an interaction or giving them a, a beautiful plate, which they feel really good about. I think as, as my time has gone on through hospitality, I think, you know, you, you sort of start as a worker and then, you know, you work your way up to a manager. Now that I own those businesses, I start to really think very deeply or very differently about customer interactions, whereas I never used to think that way. Well, you probably, you know, did it somehow because you must have had that, I don't know, like that interaction, that 
that feedback loop that kept you wanting to do that work. But it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting, I suppose, when you're training other people and bringing them up, you really do need to be quite conscious about um, about those touch points that perhaps would have been subconscious in the past. Yeah, and you're spot on because sometimes you do things you do things naturally and things come naturally to me. And when you work in a space for a long time too, you feel very comfortable in that space and you're almost you're conducting a ship or a show, you know, you, you move and, and in a certain way in a space. The biggest challenge for us now and, and, and for me is to be able to explain that feeling, <laughs> the magic or whatever you want to call it, to our leaders in the stores for them to be able to do it in, in their own style. Um, Kieran, what brought you into the industry and, and made you a hospitality lifer? I had, a, I had a pretty funny way of getting into it. I used to ride horses competitively when I was young. Really? I of, yeah, yeah. What, I was like what discipline. Um, like show or showing, it was called. Wow. So you know, at a Melbourne show, where you'd, you'd go and you'd see all those people riding horses in the middle. That was me. And I did that all through high school. And anyway, I, I finished school in year at the end of year ten and was working. My parents had a farm, and we used to adjust horses and. So I'd look after people's horses, but it got to a point where my mum and dad are like, you know, you need to get a job. <laughs> um, and my, my brothers are always in in, uh, in a trade, you know, welding and, and metal work, whereas I just, that was also foreign to me. So I started working in a cafe actually in Mooney Ponds um, and it just naturally flowed from there and I worked in bars and restaurants but nothing really kicked off till I went to the, the UK and I worked for Soho House over there and I spent four years working with them. And then when I came back to Melbourne, I started working at Taxi Dining Room. And once again, I spent majority of my time there and that's when I sort of realised, okay, I can really make a – I think I had that realisation in the UK actually that I could make a life out of this industry. But then when I was at the restaurant, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and then I got out of restaurants and I got into cafes and I got to a point where I'm like, I'm probably not the best employee anymore. Like <laughs> I really need to go about this on my own and do it my own way. Um, and it just sort of fell into my, fell into my lap, but I was able to, um, take over at Terra Twilight. And then from there I got, um, a business partner involved. Who's my business partner at the moment, Ben. Um, and yeah, and then it's got me to where we am today, but. I think I just naturally something with just dealing with people, you know, the service element is what I really love and the enjoyment of when everything is flowing and moving and, and, and you've created that, um, that feeling in, in the space is something that, you know, always excites me. When, I mean, I loved horses. I mean, I still do, but I was obsessed with horses when I was a teenager. Um I mean, what do you think you've been able to bring from the knowledge you must have had working with horses so much into work in hospitality? Well, that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, probably, you know, at the time I never realised what I was doing, you know, and, and I think I was quite young at that time. Um, but there's the calmness about it about horses and a connection that you have <laughs> that maybe I never thought deeply about, you know, and I used to ride multiple, multiple horses a day and the confidence to get on that and do that is, is maybe what gave me the confidence to, 
to be who I am in the in the cafe scene or the or restaurant scene. Um, and traveling around, you know, we travel around half of Australia for, for half the year, you know. So the hard work element to it and the early mornings and, the, you know, just getting it done attitude is probably what paid off for me in hospitality too. Yeah, I reckon that responsiveness you have to have with horses um, and, I, yeah, I would have said calmness as well. It's mm. like there's no point getting angry at a horse. It's just not going to help. Um, no, I mean, you know, yeah, because I never – I never realized that the anger you got, you know, I was no angel when I was young and, and I would, you'd lose it at a, at a horse, but it would actually make them more spooked, you know, and they're very calm and um, they actually use them for, for certain people. Like if you, there's horse therapy, I think as well. But yeah, you know, if you're, if you're losing it, the horse is also crazy. It's the same in the, in the, in the hospitality that if you're, if you're tense and, you know, you're angry on the floor or during a service, that feeling just goes through the whole space, you know. You can you can feel it as the team member, but you can also probably feel it as a customer. Yeah, that's really interesting. You can do some kind of bespoke training course with, like, horses and hospital, Kieran. <laughs> and yeah, you can have that idea for free. Yeah, um. <laughs> in, all, in all transparency, I have a, I have a coach outside of, you know, business or the business coach and that at the moment. And I come in with to and I bring he gives me some great ideas and I come into work into in the meetings with some very out there sort of meeting <laughs> agendas and ways to do it. So if I brought a horse into a meeting, I I'm sure uh, my business partners wouldn't bat an eye. They'd be like, Oh yeah, here he goes again. <laughs> I love that. But also I love the the idea of bringing in a coach from outside the industry. What, what made you do that? You know, I, look, I'm at a point in my life where I, I'm a father of two. I, I have a beautiful wife and I have now I, I have four businesses to run. And um, that can either go, you know, it, maybe a bit black and white, it can either go two ways. It can either really work for you and be a, a great journey or it could sort of fall over and, and, and be hard work and start to affect your life. So I was probably asking people questions that outside of work and that no one could really answer. So it's very nice to have someone, he, he actually, he's in the UK, that is very detached from everything going on in my life that can help me navigate business decisions and life decisions that will set me up for the future. Yeah, really good. Are there any habits that the coach has helped instill in you that really help you stay on track? Yeah, the biggest the biggest thing is that I've learned is that in hospitality, you're dealing with humans, like, you know, and I think the human element really gets lost sometimes and the, the empathy part of it, you know, is something that I probably wasn't attached to as much as I should have been. You're dealing with it from a from a customer point of view, whereas you're putting everything out, heart and soul, out into a plate or you know a venue, but then you're being critiqued day in and day out about what you know level of work you're doing. Now that can really affect you as a person if you're not not I wouldn't say thick skin, but you know if you have things that will let other people's opinion really deter you from what you're doing. But also now managing so many people, having just having a coach and someone that can really guide you through and in part I'm also 
a bit of a coach, you know, because I need to navigate. There's three people that have worked with me for now sort of four years. So I need to have a, a knowledge base and a and an ability to be able to answer their questions, you know, and guide them through the journey that they're on that I that I needed help with from from a coach. Mm, interesting. Um, so, Kieran, uh, do you reckon this is changing tack? Uh, what? How much should a cup of coffee cost in Australia? How much should it cost? Yeah. Well, there is an argument that it should cost seven dollars. <laughs> you know, um, and when you really look at it, if you looked at everything that goes into the process of making the coffee to get it to where it, you know, to your doorstep and you to get it into the cup it probably should be anywhere from five to seven dollars to tell people that though there it's a hard sell for us we're sort of torn at the moment ours sit at about four dollars sixty um we're kind of comfortable with that but if you were to think about the the ethics behind it you probably want to charge a bit more, you know, and and then you've got though you've got I think it's what seven eleven to a two dollar cup of coffee. I think if people really understood how the the the, the economics of it worked, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a hard one. Are you taking a hit on every cup of coffee? Uh, I would say no, <laughs> no. Okay. You know, you know well, once, once again in a, in the deals that we. Um, fortunately have we're pretty we're pretty good but then again if you want to think about the farmer and where that comes from you could probably want to charge more but then again if i'm charging more is my supplier then passing that back on yeah well the coffee supply chain can be very very murky um Super, yeah. yeah 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 um kieran what for the future uh you, you mentioned growth for cafes that's not enough yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been having conversations about about growth, and someone said to me, "How big is, you know, or what is enough for you?" And it's it's, it's a great question. I think with Yoke at the moment, with the way that we're setting everything up, and for the way for the future, we're probably looking at another cafe in the next six months, um, or potentially two in the next eighteen months. But what is that cafe and what does it do differently and what's the hook that will be different to the other uh, venues that we have is one that we're sort of still brainstorming and working on. Also location-wise, I think that plays a massive part in um, in opening a successful business. Mm. Oh, well, we'll watch this space. Um, Kieran, mm. so great to catch up and uh, hear a bit of the backstory behind the great experiences that you create. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story today. No, thank you. I'm really grateful for you uh, having me on. I appreciate it. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.